just a wee quick five minute um, word on what does it mean what does the cross mean to me and I could answer that with one word and that is everything um, as a young boy and I, I lived not too far away from here um, at Aberdeen Street just off just a couple of, couple of streets up above Widener Street and as a young boy my mother who was a Christian she would have told me the things about God how God loved me told me about the cross and about Jesus dying on the cross for me and not only did she tell me but she sent me to Sunday school to hear it as well and again just up the road a wee bit at the um, Shankle Road Mission. Um, that's where I went to Sunday school. Um, I was, a, you know, I'm going back quite a few years, and it was a, it was a, a lovely place to, to, to learn about God. But not only did I go there, but because my mum was a Christian, mum would have took me to mom, uh, me and my sister. She would have took us to. There was a wee church up. Um, up at, towards Walton Street called the, Nick, the Nixon Street and I can remember that with, with great fondness about being taught about God I can, remember, I can remember going into Nixon Street and you were sat at the kids were all sat at the front and we listened um, to the men that were there and I have to say the men that were there you know you talk about Christ shining out of you these men, I can still remember their names. Um, was a, Hugh Bailey was one of them. Sammy Bailey, Timothy's dad. I was a John Bailey, Mr. Andrews, and a Sammy Wally. And as I say, these men, they had something. And as a young boy, I saw that. And I knew that there was something in them men. And it stayed with me. But... Um, Oh no, it's one wee thing about, I remember one thing that stood out in Nixon Street was the, you remember the scroll? Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And I just had to make sure last week I got that right. I asked Timothy, it's not what it was. So that's what it was. Um, but, you know, as I get into the teenage years, I walked away from God and, you know, get into the things that, drew me away, the drink and whatever, but um, one, it was, um, a few, you know, there was always this, always a wee thought in my head, you know, as a teenager growing up, and even though I was out in the world doing things, there was always that wee thing, I'll wait till I'm 18, and I said, I'll wait till I'm 18, and then I'll get saved, and then when I got to 18, I'll wait till 21, 21's a better age, and then when I got to 21, no, I'll wait till I'm 30. I'll be settled down by then, and it'll be a lot easier. But, you know, that was me choosing about it, but that's not how God works. And I was invited down to the old Beth Sean Church. Um, it was a, actually, I think you told me the other week. What was it, 39 years? 39 years ago. And I have to say, when I first walked in, uh, it was an amazing place and I just you know, I knew God was speaking to me right from the get go but 
a capo on putting it off. And I put it off for quite a few weeks. Actually, I can remember coming out of shorts, um, or sorry, coming out of church and getting the shorts on the Monday, saying to myself, right, I'm not going to curse today or do anything wrong. And I was no sooner in the door than that was the out the door, you know. It was, but it was only whenever um, I came to know Christ as my own personal Savior. And that is when the cross became real to me. Because I'd heard about the cross, and you, but whenever I committed my life to Christ, that's when it became real. There's... Um, we were actually singing this morning about the cross, and it was, it was just lovely. I'll just give you the second part of it. And it says that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. And that's why the cross means everything to me, because he took away my sin. Sins which were many, but he took him away. There's a wee verse in Jude and it's um, verse, 20, verse, 20, verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And I mean, if you, if you haven't read it or, or seen that before, look it up and read it. It's just an amazing piece of scripture. Um, you know, you say, why will God do this for us? Well, all you have to do is go to um, John, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. And sometimes we go through that very quickly. For God so. And we need to stop and just, you know, the, the, the wee word so, we just sort of brush through it. But you need to elaborate on it. For God so loved the world. I mean, he could have said, God loved the world, he gave us him, but he put that so in there. Because God loves each and every one of us so much. So thank you very much for listening to my wee five minutes tonight. And I'll now hand over to the... Uh thank you, Sam. Church, you understand your feet and we are going to worship together. To elsewhere rocks cry out to her ship Whose glory taught the stars to shine Perhaps creation longs to have the words to sing But this joy to sing this with a thousand hallelujahs we magnify your name you alone deserve the glory the honor and the praise Lord Jesus this song is forever yours the thousand hallelujahs Who else would die? 
And when we sing this, and every fear I lay at your feet, I sing through the night, oh God, the battle belongs to you. I don't know about you, but I love Easter because we, we just focus on Jesus. We focus on the cross. We can bring everything that we have and we can just lay it at the feet of Jesus, at the foot of the cross. And we can say, oh God, the battle belongs to you. Oh God, we give everything that we have and we give everything that is going on and we give it over to you. So I just want to sing that one more time and just, just believe that tonight in every fear we lay at your feet. I sing through the night, oh God, the battle belongs to you. So let's sing that. And every fear I lay at your feet, and I sing through the night. And oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, and I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. 
abandoned, oh God, the battle belongs to you. Then rumors of the Son of Man, the stories of a Savior, thank you, Jesus.
Jesus. God, I thank you. Thank you for who you are. You're so worthy. You're so worthy of your name. We thank you for the power of the cross. We thank you for the power of that beautiful name, Jesus. We just say you're worthy of all of our praise tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, you can be seated. As we go on this journey, as we go on this journey now, we've come to the point uh, because we've looked at the person, we've looked at the purpose, and we looked this morning at the preparation. Uh, but we can't expect to really keep going here without looking at the punishment on the journey to the cross. There's no way we can simply get past this or talk about... Um, something like this that didn't happen or show it in its graphic nature because Jesus is on a journey and he's on a journey to the cross we know in the final week as this morning we looked at him entering Jerusalem we know now there's going to be the arrest we know that there's going to be the mock trials uh, we know that he's going to be there praying in the garden of Gethsemane uh, where he's under so much anguish that he sweats blood. In World War I, it says that there were soldiers serving on the front line in the trenches who were so anxious, uh, so full of anguish and turmoil that, that they actually sweated blood. And that's what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. It then moves further on for the, really the punishment. The, 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 how did Jesus die? We know that he died by what is called crucifixion and I'm just going to read this description out of crucifixion because that's really just a description of when we look at what Easter is about when we look at what Christ has done for us we must understand the physical punishment that he went through for each and every one of us because he loved us and because he does love us 
because we're here tonight and we're so thankful for what he went through because there was a penalty that was mine that needed to be paid and he paid it there was a punishment that was mine uh, that needed to be taken and he took it for me there was a debt that had to be paid and he paid that debt for me and so although the Romans did not invent crucifixion they perfected it as a form of torture it was capital punishment that was designed to produce a slow death with maximum pain and suffering the victim's back was first torn open by the scourging then the clotting blood was ripped open again when the clothes were torn off the victim when Jesus was thrown to the ground to fix his hands to the crossbeam the wounds were torn open again and contaminated with dirt then as he hung on the cross each breath that he made the painful wounds on his back scraped against the rough wood of the upright beam when the nail was driven through the wrist it severed the large median nerve going to the hand this stimulated nerve produced excruciating bolts of fiery pain in both arms and could result in a claw-like grip in the victim's hands beyond the excruciating pain the posture of crucifixion just simply made it painful to simply breathe because he had to push himself up on nail pierced ankles the weight of the body pulling down on the arms and shoulders made it feel like you could breathe in but not out the lack of oxygen led to severe muscle cramps which made it even harder to breathe to get a good breath one had to push against the feet and flex the elbows pulling from the shoulders putting the weight of the body on the nail pierced feet produced searing pain and flexing the elbows twisted the hands that were hanging on to the nails lifting the body for a breath also scraped the open wounds on the back against the rough wooden post each effort to get a proper breath was agonizing exhausting and led to a quicker death death from crucifixion could come from many different ways acute shock from blood loss suffocation from being too exhausted to breathe dehydration heart attack induced by stress heart rupture from congestive heart failure however if the victim did not die quickly enough his legs were broken and we know that didn't happen to Jesus but after that for others it did he was soon unable to breathe crucifixion was reserved for the lowest of the low non-Roman citizens who had been sentenced to suffer a most excruciating death for their crimes as a method of execution it was designed to humiliate and degrade as well as kill in reading that description he went through all of that for us that punishment that should have been mine he took for me when we come to the crucifixion we know these things that the all four gospels tell us the crucifixion story 1 Corinthians 1 tells us 23 tells us that we preach Christ crucified for some reason in the middle of this horrible torture that Jesus went through this is the message of the gospel that he took our place the for the sin that we could not pay for and so Paul writes at the beginning of a letter uh, to the church in Corinth he simply says this we preach Christ crucified 
To have a saviour of the world, the head of a religion, to simply say, well, this is the way that he died. This is how he represents uh, our religion. It's no wonder that he said, and we're looking at this in another week, that it was foolishness. It's a complete lack of wisdom. But there in those four words is a heart of the Christian message that we preach Christ crucified. He went to the cross. Paul says this in Galatians 2 verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul addressed it as that this is what had happened to him. That actually the crucified with Christ, uh, as he talks about, actually was a realisation that actually as each and every one of us approached the cross, actually that it's not our place to be upon the cross because Jesus has already taken that place for you and for me. And so simply that's the crucified bit that, that we have as we come to the cross, that we look at the cross and think to ourselves that there's nothing that we can do to, to earn it, to work for it, to pay for it, to get somebody else to pay for it. Uh, because he has done all of that. And so we, we come to this and he simply says at the end there, who loved me and gave himself for me. Our demonstration of love sometimes when we talk about the things that we do for one another. If we buy somebody we love something can say it's a demonstration uh, of our love. It pales in significance or insignificance for what Christ Jesus did for us as a demonstration of the love that God had for us. He says it's just incredible. There is no comparison. There is nothing that we can say that, that does that. The, the only thing we can simply say is that he laid down his life. He gave his life uh, because he loved us. And yet in this way, and this fourth point by way of introduction is this, is Jesus regarded his death by crucifixion as the moment of his exaltation when his divine glory would be most fully revealed. He says in that punishment, in that sacrifice, in everything that we did, we've actually sung about it tonight. We've, spent, we've, we've sung about it all day, but we don't sing about it because the story ends at the cross. We, we sing about it because Jesus went to the cross but then rose again. And there's nothing else worth singing about. There's nothing greater that we could be singing about that actually that thought there, not only that he died, because the problem is at the time of Jesus is, is his history will tell us there were many going around declaring to be the saviour, declaring to be the Messiah. Lots of uh, teachers and people of wisdom were going around to do this so it was not a surprise in the sense that when Jesus came and he was doing the miracles and stuff but the main difference is simply he went to the cross and we see the purpose in that but he rose again and nobody else has ever done that nobody else has ever done that he was resurrected and so it's why he sees it that by his death by crucifixion in the punishment and people will say things to you sometimes uh, that, that we, we, we don't want to talk about the crucifixion or, or the, the, people will twist it and say well why would the loving father uh, send his son in? you know those of us probably understand it whereas we've got kids why would we sacrifice our, our children and we just simply say well God's ways are higher than our ways God's plans are greater than our plans but actually above all of that 
He says, the value and the worth that he placed on each and every person was so great that it took his son. It took his son. There was no other way. There, 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 you know, if there was another way, he could have done it, but there was no other way. And he did that for you and for me. Uh, and so, as we've spoken about that, you know, in this day and age, we can speak of Jesus as a good moral teacher. We can speak of Jesus as the man who is all-inclusive, which is what I had heard somebody say last week in a sermon, that that's what we need to be uh, teaching in the world today. No, no, we don't. We need to be teaching that Jesus is the saviour of the world because he is. He is the saviour of the world. He went to the cross for you and for me. And in Mark 15, and we read these verses, and each of the Gospels tell us the story. It just simply says this. The soldiers led Jesus away into the place that is the praetorium, called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail the King of the Jews. Again, and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him falling on their knees they paid homage to him and when they had mocked him they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him then they led him out to crucify him he says i mean how bad was the crucifixion i mean we get our english word excruciating from the word crucifixion and if we said something was excruciating, we know that it, it's, it's so painful, it's unbearable. That's a word that, that, that comes from that. And we know that in Jesus' own day, we read already, known to be a horrible practice. And yet the Romans used it to execute many criminals. They actually outlawed it. They banned it in the 4th century AD because it was so horrific. And yet this our saviour went through for you and for me and yet there were some people who would want to dispute the punishment they would want to dispute the crucifixion what Jesus went through because it's central to what we believe it's the heart of our message that Jesus went to the cross he took the punishment that was mine and yours no matter which story you read and we look at his suffering and his punishment we look even just in those verses there in one gospel as they struck him as they spat on him uh, as they beat him as they whipped him as they did all of those things as they led him out to crucify him he says there will still be people that would dispute it. They, they would dispute it and they would dispute it this way. And I just want to take a few minutes just to simply uh, look at this. And some people will say, well, in this day and age, we, we can't believe that somebody would do that, that actually somebody was resurrected. And so people would come up and say, this is the swoon theory, that Jesus didn't die, he only fainted. That, that actually took all that beating he put the nails through the, the, the wrists and the ankles. Uh, and they did everything that they did. The, the, the Roman soldiers, the experts, had killing and torture. That Actually, Jesus didn't die. He only fainted. The idea is that they, they just laid him in the tomb. And the cool, refreshing air suddenly brought him back to life. And he wasn't actually dead. Now, I don't know about you, but you could possibly use this example but some of you might enjoy this example. Uh, if, you, if you came up here and beat me up, no, there's not many you could, but if you did, <laughs> then you suddenly decided that I wouldn't finish, that, that you would actually whip me. 
but not just whip me in the sense of what we would see, but whip me with a, a, a whips that had simply animal bones in, sharp, razor sharp. So when you whip somebody on the back, it actually stuck into the back and to pull it back and actually whip the skin off them. And he says, I mean, that's it. he did that. Then you, 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 a few of you come up, you're spitting on me, you're hitting me around the head, you're beating me, you're doing everything you can, literally leaving a blooded body. And if that wasn't enough, he said, suddenly you led me out uh, as they did with Jesus to be crucified. And once you hung me on the cross, you didn't just hang me there just with ropes, uh, just simply and put me up on the cross and hope that, you know, within a few days I would die of dehydration or starvation. You, you hung me by nails. I've uh, also got a crown of thorns on my head that has pushed right down into my skull. Uh, and, and then I said, you know, just to make sure when I was up on the cross, because I didn't want to leave the body up there, that I, it looked like I was dead, but just to make sure, just to make sure, you took a spear and then you, you, you shoved the spear into my side here, right through all the belly stuff, right up into the heart, because that's where it says the water runs down from, just to make sure. And at that point, you took me off the cross and then you put me into a tomb. And as I was lying there in the tomb, still alive after all of that happened, the cool air wafted over me and I suddenly thought, I'm not dead, I'm alive. That's how ridiculous this is. But this is what they choose for some people to believe because they simply say that Jesus didn't die, he only fainted. And Jesus took all this punishment, all this physical torture, because it can only be described as torture, he was nailed to a cross after enduring a horrible beating at the hands, really, of these professional death merchants. These experts, this is what they're experts at. Uh, and so if we get past this, because we, we have to get past this, because some people will say, because this is central to what we believe, you say, well, why is it central to believe? Well, because if Jesus didn't die, then he didn't rise again. And if he didn't rise again, everything we believe is false. A preaching is false, it's futile, Paul says. But actually, because we know that he did die, actually we're challenged here to say Jesus Christ went through all of this for you. And I don't know where you are tonight in your relationship with God. You might have just come to church, not you've been invited, you've thought, you know, some of this stuff I've heard before, we're coming to Easter, I like to go to church. But it's central to what we believe. The message of the gospel is not come to, to God and you know he'll, he'll give you everything that you need and he'll bless you and he'll make you happy and stuff. The message of the gospel is, is Jesus Christ died for your sins because he loved you. That's the message and it's that that changes people's lives. And to explain that, it's like I said at the beginning that there is a penalty and a punishment and a debt that all belonged to me. They all belonged to me. There was nobody else's. I, I was as guilty as, as, any, as, as you are, as everybody is. I mean, I've explained it this way before. If you, if you took everything that I had ever done wrong and you wrote it on the walls of this church, you know, it would fill every space. And that would just be possibly a month's worth of stuff. The wrong thoughts, the wrong desires, the wrong everything, the guilt, the shame of things that you don't even know about. But we're all the same. And yet Christ comes along and he simply takes and says, all of that stuff is mine. As I said last week, he said he took that stuff and he bore that stuff and he took it on the cross with him 
after he had been punished because there was a price to be paid and he had to pay the price and he did pay the price and none of us could pay the price because we looked last week and Rebecca touched on it last Sunday night they said every year they went through this whereby they got the perfect lamb and they applied in a sense all the sins of the world to, to, to this lamb and sent it to be sacrificed but it didn't meet the need it didn't meet the need the only person who met the need was Jesus Christ and so he died and then rose again and so we come to this tonight and say, you know, well, look, the, the purpose for the swoon theory is not to dispute his death, but rather he seeks to disprove his resurrection. If Jesus didn't resurrect, then he's not God. If Jesus truly died and rose from the dead, his power over death proves that he is the Son of God. The evidence demands the verdict. Jesus truly died on the cross and Jesus truly rose from the dead. And even after all of that, he says he, 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 he wore the scars. Did Thomas say? He says, I'll not believe unless I see the scars because he knew what had happened to him. So Jesus shows him. He just says to him, he says, here they are. He says, the punishment, the beatings, everything that I went through for you. Uh, and so it brings us right up to this point too. As we consider the death of Jesus, there are many things of significance that we can take into account it is of course of the utmost significance that the death of Jesus was for the sacrifice of mankind. And Jesus, before Jesus was born, the angel said to Joseph, he says, you should call his name Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. There's the mission and the purpose in Matthew 1.21 straight away. The book of Hebrews very carefully instructs us concerning this sacrificial and substitutionary nature of Jesus' death. The simple thing that he took our place. Uh, and it says that there in Hebrews. He died in the place of guilty sinners as their substitute. The death that he endured was not his own insofar the sins were not his own. The guilt was not his own. The burden was not his own. The punishment he endured was ours. But it definitely wasn't his. What a price was paid in that punishment. That sacrificial death of Jesus is of the utmost importance. See, his manner of death upon a tree is also of weighty symbolic significance for several reasons. Crucifixion, the hanging of the convicted person on a wooden cross was simply reserved for the most despicable of criminals. The Romans were experts at this. It could have been a quick death. It could have been like that. They didn't want to do that. They reserved their most excruciating, horrible punishments for those they classed as the worst criminals. And it's fitting that Jesus was executed by crucifixion as he became the most reprehensible sinner in the sight of a holy God. As he held off the wrath of God. There was a scene in The Passion of the Christ, the film that Mel Gibson makes. This is not in the Bible, so don't quote me and don't shout at me for this. But the, symbol, the symbolism of it is tremendous. You see as you watch the film, Jesus lying there uh, and the camera is above him. Jesus is lying there after being uh, tortured, crucified and he's lying there. And you just see this teardrop drop down from heaven onto the cross. And it's simply, I know it's not in the Bible, 
but we must have an understanding of what it meant for the father to see what the son had endured and gone through for each and every one of us particularly when it was in his power in a sense to send 10,000 angels to rescue him but he chose not to do that why did he not choose to do that for you and for me and so Jesus is there and Paul writes these words in Genesis 3 verse 13 he simply says this Christ redeemed us if I have a favorite spiritual word and everybody does have a favorite spiritual word maybe you don't but you should and there's one in the office there that I got for my 20th anniversary and it just says redeemed is there a more powerful word Sam said it when he stood up tonight didn't he? I thought great well, it's, what's the cross mean to me? One word, everything. He says, what's the cross mean to me? Redeemed. I've been bought back from slavery. I've been bought back from everything. And Paul writes this. He said, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. The Old Testament law, it said nobody should basically die by hanging on a tree. It was the worst thing. You're cursed if you do that. That's how Christ became a curse. But they broke the curse of the law. As Christ broke the curse of the law and sin and death and everything that goes along with it. The gospel is displayed in the starkest of terms. There is no way to come to Easter and the story of what Christ has done for us without talking about the punishment that he went through for each and every one of us because he loved us. The penalty, the punishment and the debt that was mine, he paid for. And should we have huge difficulties going on in our life tonight? Should we know not which way to turn tonight with things that are going on? We are loved by the God of the universe. We are loved by him who has created us. We are loved by him who chose to send his son to give him as a sacrifice for you and for me. How else would us, the most unlikely bunch of people, honestly, you want to be where I'm standing? <laughs> the most unlikely bunch of people come together in one place with one common denominator. And what's that? It's Jesus Christ. He's paid the price for you, for you, for you for you, for me. Let us pray, let us pray. Father, we come before you tonight. Father, we're just so thankful. We don't want to pray for things tonight. We just want to say thank you. Because Father, you sent your son, Christ Jesus, for us. You gave him as a sacrifice for each and every one of us gathered here. The penalty that was ours, he took. The punishment that should have been ours, he took. The debt that we couldn't pay, he paid. It's no wonder tonight we stand not by the way that we feel, but that knowledge of knowing that Christ Jesus redeemed us, that we are born again because of what has been done for us. And we thank you for that tonight. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for everything he went through for me. Thank you even when I was the, so far away from you, the dirtiest, rotten sinner that I could be, you sent your son, Christ Jesus, as a demonstration of the love that you had for me, the demonstration of the love that you had for each and every person in here. 
the value that you see in them because of your son dying on the cross. And Father, we just thank you for that tonight. Father, we just pray as you're speaking to hearts and minds this evening. The, the Father, there is no greater decision than a life that is laid down for you. The life that just simply says, you know what, I believe in the cross. I cannot believe that somebody would go through that for me because they love me. But your son did. And Father, if those people, anybody that's in here just simply needs to respond tonight, Father, we just pray your spirit would work upon them. For Father, we know that, Father, that, that through everything that we have, we know that this is the road to eternal life. It's a road to being accepted by you, to being in your family. So we pray tonight, Father God, if there's any in here, that, Father, salvation is the most wonderful gift that we can receive. And we just pray tonight that there would even be one who would just be willing to receive it, knowing what has been done for them. We pray that tonight, Jesus. Amen. Church still in stanzas in our final song.
we just say thank you we give everything we just say thank you Jesus for dying on that cross for us you're so so worthy we give you all the honor and glory in this place in Jesus name we pray amen amen